Hey Steven, I had um, a question bouncing off of the whole idea of Sunday school and watering down the word. Um, what are your impressions and thoughts on youth group in the church? Because I have some thoughts. <laughs> I grew up in a youth group. It was fine. It had some good qualities. Um, it was very helpful for some. It was not at all helpful for others. And for me, it was sort of neutral. Um, the, the main negative thing that I had was that because I was a participating teenager, they looked to me to be um, more of a leader than I signed up for, and I think more than I was ready for. And um, I think that was probably a little misguided, but what are your thoughts? I'm curious. Hey, Victoria. Um, that's a great question. Um, and yeah, I definitely have some opinions on youth groups. Um, I mean, let me first, I guess, start off with um, my experience in youth groups. So when I was still uh, attending my mother's church, I was part of what was called then the Young Men's Ministry. So um, at that church, they divided the youth groups up into uh, male and female. So you had the guys, you had the girls, and they were separate groups. So you had the young men's and you had the young women's ministry. Um, and in many ways, um, my time in that group was instrumental in part of my growth in the sense that we had a really good um, youth leader uh, and he was good in the sense that he did social work with youth. So he was good at connecting with the youth, talking with the youth and really just listening to the issues that we were dealing with and struggling with and um, he was great as a as a life mentor in that sense um, and he was instrumental in um, I would say my growth in the Lord in terms of experiencing the uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the sense that it's not that he would like um, was directly responsible or anything it's just we were I can't remember what the event was, but he was kind of the one who spurned all of us guys on, was like, yeah, this this is happening for you guys tonight. And, you know, my life has never been the same since that moment. So I do um, credit him with a lot in that regard. Um, now, unfortunately, the youth group did end up falling apart. And the reason it ended up falling apart was because he was, uh, he started going through a divorce and it, was it just so happened that he was married to the pastor's daughter um, and so for whatever reason the eldership decided that because he was going through divorce because his wife had decided she wanted to divorce him he was no longer fit to be the youth leader um, and so he was removed from that position and another guy was brought in and that caused a severe backlash from us youth and as a result the majority of them left that you know, ended up leaving the church um, as it stands now looking back from all of us youth who were there um, there's only one guy from that group who's still at the church um, 
the majority of them went off in various directions. I believe one of them even ended up becoming an atheist. Not as a result of that, but, you know, it's just where he ended up. I know one guy moved to the States to become a professional basketball player, so I don't know where he is now. Um, another one got into, you know, smoking weed and, you know, got kicked out of his house by his mother and what have you. Um, another one of the guys ended up in jail. He's actually turned his life around now. He is in a much better place than he was back then, but he ended up in jail. Um, and a friend of his ended up getting in trouble with the law as well, as far as I know. Um, so out of everyone, I'm kind of the only one who's ended up going into any kind of active ministry, I guess. Um, and I'd say the downside to the group, even though it was great as kind of a social group, because really that's more or less what we ended up doing. We would get into the youth leaders van and we would drive around the city, listening to music, talking, going to or you can eat buffets, going bowling, going, you know, roller skating. It was more like a youth club than a church youth group, which had its ups and it had its downs. So it was, you know, it was good in the sense of, um, you know, friendships that were formed and, you know, the leader just being kind of a mentor to everybody. But in terms of encouraging the youth to actually pursue... Um, I don't know, let's say uh, Bible study and devoted time to the Lord. Not so much. It's not that there wasn't any content and I don't even think it was necessarily the leader's fault. I think the majority of the youth there just simply weren't actually interested in any kind of, you know, biblical pursuit, to be honest. So where I am now um, in terms of youth groups, um, yeah, I, I guess I, and this isn't really anything to do with my experience, this is more so to do with things that I've learned since then. Um, I always had a question about why, you know, we divided the church up into various groups, um, why we needed youth groups, um, why we needed men's ministry and women's ministry and what have you. It was just a question I had. It didn't really bother me that much when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, it really did start to make me wonder. Um, you know, why does there seem to be this uh, divide? Um, and then I happened to come across a documentary called Divided, which you can find on YouTube. Um, it's, so it's a free documentary, you don't have to pay to buy it or watch it or anything. Um, and it is about answering that question about the roots of the youth group movement, um, where it came from, starting with, you know, Sunday school and its introduction into the United States. Um, and really where this idea that, you know, you, groups need to be divided up by age, you know, um, and really its roots were in evolutionary theory and the idea being that in a child's development, they are basically retracing the evolutionary development of their ancestors. So the idea being that um, a child who was younger was less evolved than a child who was older and therefore um, for some reason they had this idea that you shouldn't you know um, a child who is younger in their development shouldn't share a learning environment with a child that's older you know just as a neanderthal shouldn't necessarily be walking around with a homo sapien i guess was kind of their thinking um so as a result of that 
um, that kind of led to what we see in school systems around the world, which is age segregation. And this started off obviously in the school system, which itself was birthed out of the Sunday school movement. But back then they didn't really divide everyone up by age. Um, but by the time it came to, um, you know, where we are now, the church basically adopted the world idea of, you know, the school and, and dividing up ages and all of that and incorporated that into the church. Um, and there's a lot more to it than that. So you know, <laughs> by all means, go and watch the documentary. But one thing that they drew out of that, which for me was, you know, I felt was very true. Um, they were speaking to many former youth leaders. And one of the things that many of them had come to realize was that because they had essentially become these youth leaders, um, in effect, they had basically usurped the role of the father in the lives of these young, you know, of these young people. And that, you know, the responsibility for instructing a child, raising them in the discipline of the Lord was the responsibility of the father. And many of them felt that they were essentially replacing the fathers of these children. Not that they didn't have fathers, not even that their fathers weren't necessarily men of God, but just because of the prominent role they were playing in their lives, um, they ended up usurping, in many ways, the headship of the father. So many of them actually quit doing youth group work in churches for that very reason that, you know, as well as it not being a biblical mandate, they just felt that, you know, they were doing more harm than good. Um, so there was that aspect of it. And then also just the idea of, of dividing the family, really, when you come to, you know, a church and whether that be Sunday school or youth group or what have you, um, why do we feel that we need to divide everyone up to send the children to the back rather than the children getting to see their families, their parents actually worship God and learning from that example? Um, so all of that came together for me to just kind of make me feel like, huh, yeah, I don't, I don't want my family to be divided when we come into the assembly of God's people, whether that's a youth group or something else. And, and you know, I, I want my children to be able to naturally interact with people of all ages. And one thing that groups like that do is really do divide the young from the old. And many young people just don't know how to relate to old people. And yet there's so much um, knowledge and wealth and um, wisdom that can come from older people that young people don't receive because they've been taught their entire lives that they shouldn't associate with older people, just associate with people the same age. Um, so I think it's more detrimental than helpful at the end of the day. So, um, and this isn't to denigrate any of the good that comes out of these groups. You know, I, you know, I believe that God is able to make something wonderful out of any situation. So you're always going to see positive things come out of youth groups. But um, I do feel sometimes that sometimes these things are established um, more so to coddle the youth. And I guess what I mean by that is if you consider that maybe 150 years ago that adolescent didn't even exist. Um, and that's part of the root issue for me. Teenagers didn't exist 200 years ago, you know? Um, it was just something that was arbitrarily invented to try and, you know, I don't, I don't know what reason, but it, w it was an invention, you know? It's a, really a man-made convention. And I feel that mankind has kind of adapted to that convention rather than questioning whether it actually exists, you know? Um, 
Whereas in history, you hit, you hit a certain age, you became an adult and you now had to act like an adult and bear all the responsibilities of an adult. But with the um, introduction of the adolescent, it's almost giving people this excuse to um, exist in this limbo where they're kind of half child, half adult. And I think we've now then imported that into the church as well with the youth group. And again, it's this, I feel like it's, it can sometimes become this limbo where a young person is encouraged rather than to move from immaturity to maturity that they can kind of just dangle in between. Um, so yeah, whilst there are, I think, positive things that can come out of it, um, I feel that it's not necessarily the best way for people to be organized. Um, I believe in family integrated churches where everyone comes together and worships together. And that was actually one of the things that was brought out in the documentary, which is quite scary, where a guy was telling a story about um, a young girl, part of a family, part of the youth group. She would go to the church with her family and then she would go off and join her youth group. And so what ended up happening was that the family were in effect worshiping separately. And then after about six months or so, one of the youth leaders came to them and said, oh, like, is your daughter okay? We haven't seen her for, you know, months. And they were like, oh, well, you know, we, we thought she was, she was coming. Because by this point, she was able to drive. So she would go there by herself, supposedly. Um, and they were, you know, ended up worshiping at different times. But in actual fact, she wasn't even attending anymore. She'd actually managed to quietly slip away and was no longer even attending the church or the youth group. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where... I think it can sometimes create um, an atmosphere where there isn't as much accountability, uh, there isn't as much integration in the family, um, and it's not really, I believe, the best model of how young believers should live. So yeah, those are my thoughts, but again, there can be good that comes out of it, but by and large, I feel like it's something we've adapted from the world rather than coming up with something better, if, if you get what I mean. So those are my thoughts, really. Thank you so much for the thoughts. I really appreciate hearing your perspective. I'm going to definitely check out that documentary as soon as I can. Um, yeah, I, I had a similar experience of getting something good out of youth group, but realizing that that there wasn't as much value as they were trying to stick in there artificially, you know? So um, the reason that it's on my mind is because uh, the church I attend, we have a lot of families that are either with grown kids or with young kids, and we're just coming into the time when all the young kids are coming into preteen slash teenager phase. And so now the question is going to be, do we have a youth group or not? Because there's plenty of other churches that we're friendly with who have a great youth group. I don't see that it's necessary. From my perspective, since we have such a strong relate, well, maybe not strong, but since we have a great relationship with the other churches in our area who have functioning and sometimes thriving youth groups, why would we try to start our own if we're just encouraging the kids to get together and talk about Jesus together, you know? Like, let the kids go to another church if that's what you want for your kids, you know what I'm saying? But 
for our church, we're not a big church. Like it takes a lot of manpower to get a youth group together and functioning and be useful. Um, and then as you were saying, like, I don't think that this is a popular opinion in my church. I think my church is probably going to assume that we have to have one. Um, but I don't think we do. But there is some support for the whole idea of being together as a family instead. So I feel like we're at this crossroads right now as a church body. And I want to suggest to my church body that we not have our own youth group for many of the reasons that you've talked about and that I agree with. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm really cautious about being passionately, I don't know, not against a youth group, but like passionately for investing our time elsewhere. Um, I'm cautious about it only because I know that I have a chip on my shoulder when it comes to youth group and my experience with it. However, I do think that the chip on my shoulder is there because youth group inherently fails at what it's trying to do. And like you said, because it's not a family unit. It's not supposed to be a family unit, but it's trying to artificially create that. And so it's always leaving gaps. And if you're not trying to find those gaps yourself, if you're not trying to find those gaps yourself as a person in youth group, then you're likely to fall through the cracks. And if you're likely to fall through the cracks, youth group can't save you anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not <laughs> That's not who thrives in a youth group. Who thrives in a youth group, in my experience, are those who would thrive without one. So why do we put so much energy into it? Like, I'm fine with, like, making events and creating experiences for our teenagers to experience life together and do something fun. That's fine. Like, there's always room for fellowship and experience and all that stuff. That's great. I think they should be able to um, get to know each other in a safe environment and doing fun stuff and hearing other people their age talk about how they're serious about God and all of that stuff is really, really good. But even with all of that fun stuff, like you said, that's more of a, more of like a club. It's not, and this whole idea of having many churches within our church, like we have, in our church, the solution we've come across, because we did have, I'm not even kidding you, we had almost equal ratio of young children and adults. <laughs> and so having everybody in service together every time was actually turning people off to coming to our services because the noise factor was was an issue. And it was hard. Not everybody parents the same, you know. So some people, you know, just didn't have quiet kids or couldn't get their kids to act like quiet kids or whatever you want to say. So our solution was to have everybody together for worship and then have younger ones um, do Sunday school during the actual sermon up until like age 12. But part of me is thinking, well, if I take this whole concept of mini churches um to its logical conclusion, wouldn't that also include not separating families during the sermon either? But then at the same time, I'm like, I'm thinking like well, adults and children do have different levels of understanding and different needs. And it's good for us to get together as adults and have the conversations that we need to and listen to the teaching that we need. 
but should we be doing that on our own time? Like, should church be the family time? And then we break. So I've got a whole lot of, I, I'm still working it out. I'm still working it out. I, I don't have a solution for the age breakout problem. I don't know what to do and I don't know what to suggest and I don't know what to advocate for. So for now, I just very cautiously share my opinion with anybody who asks. <laughs> yeah, to youth group or not to youth group. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to pose a solution to your church's dilemma because, you know, your church doesn't know me and they probably wouldn't take some random opinion of some guy off angle. So, um, but I will give my thoughts, I guess. Um, on your church's situation, it's not really um, a situation that I've been in, in a congregation that I've been in, where it's a question of, or, well, first of all, where the ratio of um, young children to adults is nearly equal. Um, in our church, I mean, our church is very small. Um, and for the longest time, well, not actually for the longest time, but for a while, the only children were my children. So, um, and at present, there's only one other child um who's about a year old so by and large my my children are the only children and everyone else are adults um it wasn't always like that that we you know we did have some younger children before but those families uh moved on to other congregations but um i think where i am now especially um maybe to a lesser degree my wife but definitely where i am uh, is i'm finding that or my feelings are that I guess our lifestyle and the way that we live is, you know, we're, we're starting to see maybe some conflicts between um, family life, just what family life is like and what the traditional church structure is like. And the reason I say that is because I, you know, I strongly believe that the church was originally modeled on the household, modeled on the family unit just in the way that everyone would come together and interact and gather, you know, everyone would gather in homes and, you know, it, it would be a more of an informal setting, um, more of a setting like a, uh, like a, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, like a meal, basically, you know, just, just a, a dinner party. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, like, like a dinner party. Um, and I feel like one of the things that's happened is because of the way that church is traditionally structured, it's not conducive towards having children running around making noise or just making noise in general. And so we've adopted this idea that the child, you know, children need to be quiet, you know, whilst these things are going on. And then what I found is in a more, say, Bible study environment, this doesn't seem to bother us as much. The children are a bit more free to roam around and do whatever, whereas traditional church everyone is locked in this one room and so for the children to you know for the parents or the adults to be able to hear the sermon or whatever else is going on that necessitates that the children be quiet um so where i am now i guess is um would be a very anti-traditional uh stance and this is my you know my personal stance not necessarily the situation in my church but um just looking throughout church history and seeing how we've kind of uh, fell into this laity clergy divide, which really, you know, 
divided up the congregation into active participants and you know a passive audience the majority of the church is a passive audience and therefore that passive audience needs to hear what the active participants are saying or doing um, rather than the sense I get from the New Testament, which is an environment where everyone brought something to the table, everyone contributed something. Not to say that there was never any teaching or extended discourse or anything like that, but it just, it seems like the environment, um, it wasn't expected that you would have people gather around quietly and listen to one person rather than having a group of people come and contribute whatever the Lord had put on their hearts and everyone being strengthened by what, you know, every joint supplies and so i feel that you know if we were just to look at the, you know the family unit how we are in our families um and this is something that i've been thinking a lot about is that traditionally growing up i've all you know what was drummed into my head was when you're eating dinner you need to be quiet and eat your food um and yet pretty much in every other eating situation that's not always the case you go out and you eat with other people you talk you laugh you crack jokes even the parents will talk across the table and i guess the reason we tell our children to be quiet is because they're very easily distracted by you know laughing and playing and talking and what have you but generally speaking um in every other context we don't generally just sit in silence and eat together and as much as every time i'm telling my children stop talking and eat your food there is a part every time i say that nowadays there is this slight nag in the back of my head that just makes me think what if i didn't keep telling them to be quiet what if we actually use this as an opportunity for everyone to just talk and share you know whatever it is that's on their mind even if it's the presentation of their new Lego creation, you know, just whatever it is, just allow everyone to speak um, rather than just sitting in ominous silence. Because I do believe that when we were, you know, when we come together, it's meant to be festive, it's meant to be celebratory, and it's meant to be, you know, a place where everyone shares and participates, including the children. Um, I think we often neglect maybe the contribution that children can bring to this kind of situation. So... Um, and this isn't, I'm not saying this as a criticism of traditional church, it's just kind of, this is the situation we're in and this is what many of us have inherited from our spiritual forefathers, so it just, it is what it is. But, um, you know, these are also my frustrations, I guess, in thinking that the way things are, um, I guess, structured don't allow people to function naturally or, or organically. And I believe the same is said for children. That's not to say that children should never sit quietly and listen or sit still or anything like that. But, you know, the way God has created our children, they just tend not to do that, you know. And so if the environment wasn't one where, you know, everyone needed, needed to necessarily be quiet all at the same time, or that the children didn't necessarily need to sit still, then it just makes me wonder, would we have as much need for things like youth groups, Sunday schools, and what have you? You know, if the the, pro, the, yeah, the question is, is it the children making noise that's the problem? Or is the problem the framework that we're using to do what we're doing? You know, that's that's the question that nags in the back of my mind. And if we changed the way that we do things, and maybe aligned it more with what I see in the New Testament, which is more like a dinner party or just a, you know, a festive gathering or you know, how many home Bible study groups are. If 
we functioned more like that, would there be as much of an issue? And I, I kind of feel like, no, there wouldn't. And, you know, naturally many people would ask, then ask, well, what about the big, <clears throat> you know, big type churches where you have several hundred members? Um, well, hey, I mean, if <laughs> maybe this, um, one of the issues is that we are constantly allowing ourselves to get too big when maybe we should be kind of splintering off and forming other, you know, smaller groups and smaller pockets rather than just congregating together into this mass, you know, because um, I think there are many problems with those masses with, you know, mega churches and churches that have several hundred members, be, when it once being someone who was a member of a church with several hundred members, it was very easy for me to first slip into the background and then slip out the back door without anyone noticing because you are just a face amongst the crowd. No one really knows you. Therefore, you're not really accountable to anyone. No one can hold you, you know, accountable in terms of any of the sins that you're committing or the things that you're doing. Um, and you do get the sense that people do not necessarily care about your well-being because you know, most people don't know you and you don't know most people. And, you know, if you want to speak to the pastor, you have to book an appointment and, and find his way past, find your way past his, you know, 12 armor bearers and what have you. So, um, yeah, so my thoughts, I guess, in a nutshell are just is, yeah, is the problem. What do we do with our loud children? What do we do with our aging youth? Or is the problem really the way that we have structured everything creates this problem you know uh, maybe the problem isn't inherent to the children maybe the problem is inherent to the way that we're trying to do things um and you know i think we could make we could find analogies in our own homes so the times when we want the children to be quiet is the problem really the children or is the problem the way we're trying to do something yes yeah, sure if you want to sit quietly and read a book in silence then yeah children making noise is going to be an issue um but if you're doing something where maybe they can be a bit more involved um, or reading a story with them, then maybe the noise that they make all of a sudden doesn't really become an issue because it's all part of the same thing that you're doing. So, but yeah, I think I'm just kind of going all over the place now and babbling. So hope that's helpful.